In Acts 19.10, we are told that the Apostle Paul was in Ephesus, located on the western shores of the modern land of Turkey, that he was there in Ephesus for some two years. And Dr. Luke writes in Acts 19.10 that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia, which would have been a province probably some 150 miles or so deep going in from the western border of Turkey, just really taking in maybe the western fourth of what we think of the modern land of Turkey. That's what's meant by the province of Asia. We're told that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. Well, one of those groups of people who heard the word of the Lord were the people in a town called Colossae, about 100 miles inland in the Lycus Valley. It seems that while Paul was at Ephesus, he sent missionaries throughout Asia, and one individual named Epaphras came to the Lycus Valley, and there he was used by God to establish a church at Colossae. And therefore, it makes perfect sense when you read the book of Ephesians, and you read the book of Colossians, and you realize these two books parallel each other. These two books have a similar outline. These two books cover similar subjects. It always seems to me that Paul wrote one and then he wrote the other and he sent them both together. And wherever those books were carried, they were meant to be read one after the other. And so that's what we're going to do this morning, at least as far as a portion of these books are concerned. If you would, please look first at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 1. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Paul writes, Children, obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now turn, if you will, to the somewhat more abbreviated statement in Colossians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Colossians, the third chapter, and the 20th verse, where Paul writes, Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not embitter your children, or they will become discouraged. Let's pray together. Father, as we look into your word and as we attempt to understand these things and to apply these things to ourselves, O God, by your grace and by the inward work of your Holy Spirit and the one who speaks and in those who listen, may we hear your word. May we handle it properly. May we understand it correctly. May we apply it. Uh, appropriately. Father, may you now use your word to change us, to change some whose hearts are still cold and dead, to give to them that life that only you can give, and to those who are your children. Father, may your word be used to, to encourage them and to challenge them and to show them the way in which you would have them to live. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Most of you are aware I have uh, recently returned from preaching and teaching in Uganda, just south of the capital city of Kampala, on the campus of the African Bible College, and that was a um, that was a terribly uh, awesome opportunity, and it was a gloriously uh, wonderful responsibility. And I have to tell you the the opportunity to preach and teach really is but a, a small part of the story. If it hadn't been for the encouragement I received from several of you, I, I might not have done what may prove to be the most important thing I did in preparing to go to Uganda. And that was to ask my two oldest sons, both ordained PCA ministers, to accompany me and join with me in preaching and teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I don't believe, I really don't believe, that even those who urged me to invite J.R. and Philip to, to accompany me realized just how important it would be for the students of the African Bible College to see a father and two of his sons together serving the Lord. Preaching from 1 Corinthians 13 was important, but perhaps even more important was that we did so as father and sons. Most of the students, you see, to whom we ministered were first-generation believers. Some had been raised in the Muslim faith. By various divine appointments, they had been brought to faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, and now were eagerly seeking, seeking to, to broaden and, and to deepen their understanding of God's revealed Word. And one of the teachings of Scripture that they were trying to, to get their arms around was God's covenant promise to choose for Himself a people, a people for whom He would be their God, and they would be His people even unto a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. I believe we were sent to serve such students as a living visual demonstration of God's holy, eternal covenant. Many of you, many of you, we saw it this morning with the Wooten standing here before us, Many of you evidence the fact of God's covenant faithfulness. God has wonderfully blessed this church with many strong Christian families that are striving in the strength that he supplies to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And I want you to know something. I want you to know that that is terribly and awesomely important. More important than most of us really ever begin to realize. Look at Genesis 18, verse 19. You've heard me refer to this verse on many occasions. Genesis 18 and verse 19. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 19, this is what God says about Abraham. This is what God says about Abraham. God says, I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just 
so that the Lord will bring about for Abram what he has promised him. And what had God promised Abram? Go back to Genesis 12, 3. The last promise of Genesis 12, 3. What had God promised Abram? He had promised Abram in Genesis 12, 3 that through Abram all peoples on earth would be blessed. Abram's, follow this, Abram's raising of a godly seed was important. It was awesomely important. It was important for all of the peoples of the world. It was important for you and me. We are the peoples to whom God refers, the peoples who have been greatly blessed because through the godly line of Abram came the Christ born to Mary, a covenant child eager to serve as her Lord's handmaiden. Now keep all of that in mind. Just try to keep all of that in mind. And consider with me for just a few moments Paul's words in Colossians 3, verses 20 and 21, and Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And please understand, Hear me. Please understand this. The issue is not simply raising children who are well-behaved and mannerly. Are you hearing me? The issue is not simply raising children who are well-behaved and mannerly, though God knows that is a blessing. But we are not... I tried this on the ladies. They understood this illustration. So hang with me. We're not Mr. Banks looking to Mary Poppins to get his children under control because he wants his home to run more smoothly. It's not what we're doing here. No, no, no. The issue is far more profound and significant. The issue is the raising up of children through whom God can bless all the peoples of this world so that he might receive from all of the peoples of this world, from every nation and tribe and and people and language, the glory and the praise and the honor and the love that is rightfully his. That's what we're about in the bringing up of our children, in the training and instruction of the Lord. So what does God require of parents? And even more specifically, now look at this. Even more specifically, what does God require of fathers? Look at that. Colossians 3.21, Ephesians 6.4, both verses, Paul specifically addresses fathers. Now why does he do that? Because fathers, that is, Husbands are the head of their homes, and they are, they are particularly accountable before God for their families. Now, obviously, wives, that is, mothers, are responsible for their homes and for their children. But it seems clear to me, no matter whether it fits with the thinking of our culture or not, it seems from Scripture biblically clear to me, That Paul 
that from what Paul writes, that, that God holds fathers particularly responsible for their homes. And that, and that includes... That includes the bringing up of their children in the training and instruction of the Lord. As Tom Schreiner talked about at the men's prayer breakfast a week ago. Husbands are to follow the example of Christ, who is the bridegroom, concerned for his bride, which is the church. That's you and me. He is concerned that she, his bride, be radiant, that she be without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, that she be holy and blameless. Well, that is precisely the goal toward which husbands and fathers should be prayerfully striving, willingly and eagerly laying down their lives on behalf of their wives and striving the strength that God supplies to bring their children up in the training and instruction of the Lord, striving in the strength that God supplies to raise up children who will be holy and blameless, that is, children saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and therefore holy and blameless, and therefore children who are eager, who are willing, who are equipped, who are empowered and who are enabled to be used by God to turn this world right side up. That's why parents, and especially fathers, are to be concerned, as Paul says in Ephesians 6, 4, to bring their children up in the Lord. That is to nurture and cherish them. Look at that. Look at Ephesians 6, 4. I want you to see this. It's a little bit tricky because there's so many English words that are used to translate one, one Greek word. There in Ephesians 6, 4, the word translated bring them up. It's one Greek word. It's the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians 5, 29. Just back up a few verses. Same verb, word that Paul uses in Ephesians 5.29 when he speaks of the husband feeding and caring for his own body. Fathers are to bring up their children. They are to nurture them. They are to cherish them. They are to care for them. Fathers are to care for their children. They are to feed them the truths of Holy Scripture. They are to nurture them. They are to cherish them. They are to to bring them up in the Lord. The the best illustration that I can think of is, is my wife nurturing the flowers that grow in our yard. She feeds them. She she cares for them. She she tends to them. She pulls out the weeds that threaten to choke them. Sometimes she has the audacity to ask me to help pull out those weeds that choke them. She does for them whatever is necessary so that they can grow and they can flourish and they can beautify our yard. Why? Because that glorifies And gives praise to the creator who made all things beautiful. It's not just a matter. Listen to me. Parents, fathers, listen to me. We're not just simply concerned with our children doing what is right in our eyes. Or our children pleasing us 
Listen to me. We are to train and instruct them to obey us because bottom line, did you see what Paul wrote? Bottom line, this is right. What a simple statement. You know, I can imagine all kinds of people in this day and age when you can go into any Christian bookstore and you could have a shelf on parenting. And the Apostle Paul has an opportunity to speak on parenting and he writes these very few short words. And we're all going, well, that's not sufficient. Well, God thought it was sufficient. And what does God say? God says that what, what we are concerned with is training our children to do what is right in God's eyes and pleases Him. And we need to find ways to, to drive that home, to drive home this overwhelmingly important truth. Christians are not being asked to obey their, children are not being asked to obey their parents. Children are not being asked to obey their parents simply because dad and mom are bigger and stronger, or at least for a few years are bigger and stronger. I think my kids could take me now. But children are required to obey their parents. Listen to me. Just, just get this basic truth in place. Children are asked to obey their parents because that is right in God's eyes and it pleases him. Now we can go into all the philosophical discussions you want. The bottom line is it's right and it pleases the Lord. That's all Paul writes. It's right and it pleases him. Furthermore, we are to train and instruct our children to obey us so that they will be blessed by God. Look at Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3. Look at Ephesians 6, verses 2 and 3. Paul quotes the fifth commandment. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. What do you want for your children? Now, there are many answers to that question. But I hope above all else that what you want is for them to experience the blessing of God. We want them to embrace Jesus as Savior and Lord. And in doing so, Scripture teaches that they will be saved from the curse and power of sin by grace through faith in Jesus' life and death and resurrection and His ascension and His reign and His coming again. And what that means... If that is the faith that they exercise, what that means is they have then become children of their heavenly Father. Follow the logic here. We want them to come to faith in Christ. And when they come to faith in Christ, they then become children of their heavenly Father. And God is a Father who blesses those who obey. And because He is the best of fathers, He is a Father who punishes those who don't. If by grace through faith they have indeed become followers of Christ, their eternal salvation is assured. But in this world, what we do or don't do, what we say or don't say, it matters to the Lord. 
And if we live in obedience to him, we experience his particular blessings such as peace and joy and and a deep abiding assurance that enables us to endure all things for the sake of our king. But if as God's children we, we choose to ignore his word and to do what we want to do without any concern about whether it pleases him, Paul says, Paul says, In 1 Corinthians 3.15, that we may indeed be saved, but it will be only as one escaping through the fire. Now, what a shock this is. That the God who teaches us to call him Father, teaches us by example how to be a good father. And teaches us by example to discipline our children. We are to train and instruct them, not to turn away from the Lord, but to to eagerly strive to do what is right in His sight, pleasing to Him, so that they might know God's blessing. And if by grace, through faith, children of their Heavenly Father, uh, as children of their Heavenly Father, they will in fact... They will, in fact, continue to live forever upon this earth when it has been created anew by our Lord at the end of the age. But even now, as they live in this sin-scarred world, they can know that God is using all the events of their lives to accomplish good things. That He is using all that they experience in this world to make them more and more like Jesus, to make them more and more image-bearers of their King. Parents, fathers, it is your God-given privilege and responsibility to raise the next generation. Training and instructing them to do what is right. And that begins, and that begins with training and instructing them to obey you and to honor you. Now note, you are to be concerned, not just with outward conformity. You are to be concerned about the attitude of their hearts as they hear and heed your training and instruction. And again, what is is most important in all of this is that they understand that obeying you and, and honoring you, it is right and it is pleasing to the Lord, and that doing what is right and pleasing to the Lord should be for them of utmost importance. Why should you honor and obey me? Because in honoring and obeying me, you honor and obey your Lord. And how are they going to understand all of that unless you tell them? Unless you talk with them. Unless you talk with them about such things. Often, gently, lovingly, kindly, patiently, consistently. My child, you you must do what I say. And you must learn to do what I say willingly and cheerfully. So that you will learn to do what God says. And to do what God says willingly and cheerfully. My child, God has good things for you to do. 
good things that he has prepared in advance, even before the world was ever created. God has these good things for you to do. And what God wants for you is always right and it is always best. And I am teaching you to obey me, to, to, to honor me, so you will learn to obey and honor your Lord. Your training and instruction of your children must always carry with it this eternal dimension. The issue is not just peace in your home. The issue is the proclamation of the gospel of peace to all the world. To teach them these truths, to to plant within them an enthusiasm for obeying and honoring the Lord. If you're going to teach them, (laughs) if you're going to have reason to believe that they will hear you and heed your words, then I want you to know these truths must be obviously important to you. Obviously important to you. Your child doesn't have to guess about whether these things are of eternal importance to you. Your enthusiasm for these truths must be evident in all that you do and say. Clearly, That requires that you provide them with a living, breathing example of what it means to follow hard after God. Just listen. Moses said to the children of Israel just prior to their entrance into the promised land in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 6, Moses said, These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. Impress them on your children. And now this is the part that just gives me chills. Talk about them. When you sit at home, and when you walk along the road, and when you lie down, and when you get up, continuously, your child must have good reason to be confident of the fact that knowing the Lord, that knowing his holy purposes, that the doing his perfect will is the burning desire of your life. And that it is the all-consuming passion that shapes everything you say and do each and every day. Do you think there's a child in the Keynes household that grew up wondering whether or not Dad was a Cardinal fan? How many children grew up in your households knowing that you're a, a Tennessee fan or a Georgia fan or a Alabama fan, or an Auburn fan. I'm sorry if I'm Georgia Tech. Give me, I, I'm, see, I, but you see, I, I'm apologizing because I know how important all of that is to some of you. And why do I know how important all of that is to some of you? Because you've shown me how important it is over and over and over again. Well, the question's obvious. The observation is obvious. Likewise, your child must be confident, must have no reason to even question, no reason to even think twice about whether or not 
Loving God and doing as he commands. Doing what is right and pleasing in his sight is the, is the controlling passion of your life. And I want you to know, it would be terribly frustrating to your child for you to require of him or her what you don't require of yourself. You hear me? It will be terribly frustrating to your child for you to require of him or her what you don't even require of yourself. Paul warns us in Colossians 3.21 not to embitter our children, not to discourage them. He warns us in Ephesians 6.4 not to exasperate our children. I'm telling you, when I examine the usage of those words, we embitter them, we discourage them, we exasperate them by requiring of them what we don't require of ourselves. What are we requiring of them? We are requiring that they please God by doing what is right. What must we therefore be requiring of ourselves? That we strive to please God by doing what is right. Don't embitter your children. Don't don't discourage them. Don't, Don't exasperate them by saying one thing with your mouth and then doing something else as you live your life from day to day. Don't do that. This is far too important an issue. This is, this is, these, are, these are matters of eternal significance. Children know hypocrisy when they hear it and see it. And it discourages them. It exasperates them. It leaves them if bittered. You want to... If you want them to do what is right and pleasing to the Lord, then you must exhibit for them what it means to live one's life focused upon pleasing the Lord, upon doing what is right in His sight. So obviously the question that you must ask and answer is this. Do I provide my children with a living example of what it means to love the Lord with all one's heart, soul, strength, and mind, and therefore to love others, concerned about their temporal and eternal welfare. Do I? Again, we went to Uganda to preach God's word, but we quickly came to realize that the most important thing we could do for these students was to exhibit before them the truth of God's covenant promises. Parents, fathers, you'll have a hard time training and instructing your children to love and serve the Lord if they can't see in you a radical love for Him. You can't train and instruct your children to serve their King if they don't see you bowing the knee to His holy purposes. Allow me to make this this final observation. Children need to see fathers who love their wives. And wives who love their husbands. If husbands and wives are not able to love each other as God commands them to love, then why in the world will children listen when they are told by such parents 
but they must learn to love God and others as they have been loved. Why will they listen? Why should they listen when they have been provided with no living, breathing demonstration of such love? Now, by God's grace, the Lord can overcome all barriers. I mean, he can break through the darkest of circumstances and work his grace in the hearts of people no matter what their situation might have been. I've seen that in Uganda where God has brought to faith people with parents who had no intention of serving the one true God. But at least they were parents, those parents who had no intention of serving the one true God, at least they were parents who weren't saying one thing and doing another. Yes, by God's grace. Yeah, by God's grace. And how grateful I am for God's grace. By God's grace, you can be a lousy parent and raise wonderful children. But that's not the normal pattern suggested by Scripture. Scripture clearly teaches that God most often uses the example of a parent's life to impress upon their children the truths of God's Word. So when your child observes your life, does he or she see a living, breathing demonstration of what it means to love God with all of your heart? and to be lovingly concerned for the temporal and eternal, eternal welfare of others. This is so important. This is so important that I can't finish today. And I am going to preach one more sermon in this series. And by God's grace, that works out well, because that will be one Sunday short of Palm Sunday. And the timing seems divine that I stretch this into two sermons. Doesn't it? But this is so important. This is so important. Our prayer should be that God will use our families and the evident truth of God's covenantal purposes to bring others to a saving knowledge of himself, even as he promised would be true in and through the family of Abraham. May God one day be able to point a finger at you and to say, you know, I chose him. I chose him so that he would direct his children and household after him to keep my ways by doing what is right so that I could do for him what I had promised. And that is through him and through his children and through his children's children I could work through him in order to touch the lives of all the peoples of the earth in order to bless all nations. Let's pray. Father, I am so grateful as I preach this sermon and look around this room and I, I see families that I can identify and I know the great things that you are doing in 
have done in and through their faithfulness to you. And I look around, Lord, and I know families that are struggling, like all families struggle to some degree or another. And I pray, Lord, that you would work your grace, particularly in those situations, that there might be a clearer understanding on the part of parents and children that what we are involved here, what we are involved in here, is not just something of temporary significance. It is something of eternal importance. Father, claim our children for yourself. May they do what is right in your sight. What they do, may it please you. May that what they do, O oh God, may they know your blessing and may they be used by you and used up by you in turning this world right side up. And we pray this to the glory and the honor and praise of our Lord and our Savior and our King. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Everyone turn to hymn number 